Uh, I just finished reading a book, uh, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. It's by W. Philip Keller. And this teaching is largely based on that book. It really inspired me to really get into that psalm. Uh, It's, of course, the one about the good shepherd. Let's begin in John chapter 10. And I know you've heard of verse 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Verse 11, let's go on. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now, giving his life for the sheep, there's no greater love than to give your life. So this is one of the characteristics of the good shepherd. He will stop at nothing to to show his love for the sheep. Then verse 12, it takes a little turn. It says that the hireling, not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, he seeth the wolf coming, he leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches them and scatters the sheep. So quite a difference there. There's a good shepherd and there's a bad shepherd. And the quality of life of that sheep, that that flock of sheep depends totally on the care that that shepherd is willing to give them. It's either going to be an abundant life or a life that's destroyed. That's the only two options. I don't see anything else. Now, David was a good shepherd. He's an example of a good shepherd. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, verses 34, it says, David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. So right away, we know that David is not a hireling. He's not a hired hand. These sheep belong to him, to his father. Same difference. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now, (laughs) there's a lot there. I mean, when you just read it, say, oh, he killed the lion, he killed the bear. Yeah, but think about that for a minute. A bear or a lion, not easily killed. Uh, I live in mountain lion country, and I've seen mountain lions. I'd hate to have to grab him by his beard and smite him, and that would be to protect my life. But I think, what about, would I do that to protect a flock of sheep? So this is just the kind of shepherd that David was. And and then it says in verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And I like this part. So this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he defied the armies of the living God. So there's an example of a good shepherd, one that's willing to lay down his life. And so I think that's pretty neat because sheep are totally defenseless. They don't have claws. They don't, they can't really bite. They can't strike. They really, they're totally defenseless. So they depend totally on their their shepherd to protect them from uh, wild animals and so forth. And David took a big risk, a huge risk. Like he was willing to lay down his life, just like Jesus said uh, that, that the good shepherd in John ten eleven, he will lay down his life to protect those sheep. 
Unlike the hireling who flees the first sign of trouble, the hireling is just a hired hand. The sheep aren't really his. He really has no, no skin in the game, so to speak. David totally understood sheep. He understood that they did rely on him for everything needed to survive. If, and this is a big if, your sheep has food, water, and shelter, if you provide all those for him, you might be able to leave him alone for eight hours and he'll be okay. That's And that's assuming they have all those things readily at hand. If they don't, they won't even last that long. Homo sapiens, I think, is about eight minutes. Homo sapiens means wise man. That's Latin for wise man. Uh, I don't think so. I put it that way. But we, I don't, we can't even last for eight minutes, eight minutes, let alone eight hours. But that's just how sensitive sheep are, how much care they require. You really have to be on top of it. The hireling, talking about the hireling a little bit, his attitude. In Jeremiah chapter 50 and in verse 6, it says, My people hath been lost sheep. Now, here's why they're lost. It's not necessarily the people's fault. It says, their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. So this describes the people. They go from mountain to mountain. We've gone astray. We, we can't rest. Now, this going from mountain to mountain is significant because in the ancient Near East, that's where they believed the gods resided was in the mountains and in the hills. So that's what this is saying. The people that Jeremiah was talking about, Israel, were going from one god to the next to, to worship, just forgetting Yahweh in the meanwhile. But the reason they went that way is, again, because of their shepherds. The shepherds caused them to go astray. They were not good shepherds. And sheep are easily, easily led astray. And once they get lost, they're basically unable to find their way back. So that's why the good shepherd, remember in, in Matthew chapter 18, it talks about a shepherd that has a hundred sheep. And if one's lost, he'll leave the 99 and go find the other one and bring them back. So because they can't find their own way back. So once they're lost, it's very difficult to get them back. They require a good shepherd to do that. Now, I would imagine that if David's sheep could talk, they would brag about their owner. They would go over to the next uh, the next farm or whatever and say to those sheep, says, well, uh, David is our shepherd. We, we get really taken care of really, really good. So uh, I'm sure they would brag a lot. Well, in Psalm 23, 1, finally getting there, it says, the Lord Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. So Yahweh is my shepherd. Just think about that. And, and Jesus, when he said that in John, remember, Jesus is Yahweh's representative, and he is our shepherd. Jesus takes care of us. So how much more should we brag about our shepherd, how good our shepherd is? We brag about how good our dads are and whatnot. Well, this should take it to a whole nother level. We can brag that Jesus is my shepherd, the guy that that lived a perfect life and, and then rose from the dead, gave his life for me, just like the good shepherd would. And then he rose from the dead. That's pretty good. And that's our shepherd. So what a reality that is. And we were bought. See, uh, we're not taken care of by a hireling, by, by, by a hired hand. The guy that owns us, or the guy that shepherds us, he bought us with a price. And of course, that was a very steep price with his life. 
So there you go with that. That's how much our owner values us. He paid a lot of money for us. He paid with his life. So that's how valuable we are to him. And he did that when we were scattered, when we were lost, when we were going from mountain to mountain, worshiping this God, money, worshiping our, our, our jobs, worshiping whatever, other uh, other people, whatever. But that's when Jesus bought us. He didn't buy us when we were worthy to be bought. So how much does he love us? So definitely a greater, as good a shepherd as David was, our shepherd is light years ahead. And he takes care of us, not as a hireling, but he's willing to do whatever it takes. To him, we're the most important thing of all creation. I mean, think about it how big space is and all the planets, all the asteroids, all the suns and moons and all that stuff. And then you go down to the microscopic level, just in a teaspoonful of dirt, there's there's millions of little animals there, little bugs or, or bacteria, or whatever. And they all require, they're all required to make this thing work. And they're all there for us. <laughs> we're, we're the reason for everything. And so that's what Jesus thinks of us. And that's why we can brag about our shepherd. My shepherd really loves me. He'll do anything I want for me. How about yours? <laughs> you could have my shepherd. All you got to do is confess Jesus is your Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead. Jesus is now your shepherd and you have all that care, the best care available. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Well, that word want, it's this, it basically means anything less than 100%, anything less than full. In Genesis, uh, during the flood, when the, when the rain stopped, it says the waters were abated. And that's the same word. That word abated is the same word as want here in uh, Psalm 23, 1. So basically the waters got to a maximum. And after that, they were abated. They, they started to want. They weren't a hundred percent anymore. So when we say I shall not want, that means that I lack absolutely nothing. I have a hundred percent, maybe 110. Okay. A little extra. It won't hurt. And I'm sure. So, but th that's just fantastic that, that we lack nothing. We have 100% of what we need. And it's not necessarily earthly treasures in view here because when David wrote this psalm, he was being, he suffered, he was suffering a lot of hardship. He was exiled from his country. He lived in caves. He was isolated, had a lot of anguish and, 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 and intense privation. He was being chased by Saul, the man that he absolutely loved, the one that had already tried to kill him a couple times with the javelin. And now he's chasing him all over the countryside. And not only Saul was chasing him, but his own son, Absalom. Can you imagine that? Absalom, his, his son, ch chasing him all over the place, wanting to kill him. And yet, David's attitude was, I shall not want. That's just fantastic. Yet, he is the author of Psalm 23. He's the one saying, I shall not want. So, what a reality that is. And it just, it can't, we can't... <laughs> Whatever we have to go through, 
we can just say, look, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, the one that's willing to give his life for me, the one that has already given his life for, for me. So we know he's serious when he says that. Uh, and John 16, 33, the, the last part of it, it says, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. It's a given. But, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So we know we have that tribulation, and yet we can be of good cheer. We don't have to let it get us down. Why? Because we know that our shepherd, Jesus Christ, has overcome the world. And the world, by the way, is the word cosmos, so it's the entire everything. Jesus has overcome that. That word overcome is kind of neat. It's uh, the Greek word nikeo, and uh, there's that Greek goddess, Nike. She's the goddess of victory in, in, in Greek mythology, and that's where that word comes from. But that's that overcome. Jesus is our victory. Jesus Christ. It's no Greek goddess, for crying out loud. She's not going to help us any. None of the other gods are going to help us. Only Jesus Christ was willing to give his life for us. And again, he did give his life for us. So he put his money where his mouth is. So, and, and, and by the way, what's really interesting, when Jesus said, be of good cheer, I've overcome the world, he said this to them right after he told them, uh, I'm about to go through the worst days of my life, and you guys are going to abandon me. You guys, you guys are going to leave me. So, what, you know, he didn't chew them out. He didn't say, so you guys are worthless. You guys are no good. You guys are just uh, Johnny come lately, whatever. He didn't say that. Right after they told him that, his only concern was that he could comfort them, that he would comfort them regardless of what they were about to do, and he knew they were going to do it. He said, be of good cheer. I want to comfort you. What a guy. He's supposed to be our example. So, gee whiz, nobody's ever treated me that bad, but we can always forgive. And we should always want to comfort people, give them hope, regardless of what they think of us, because we're not in this for ourselves. We're in it for the other guy. That's the good shepherd. In Philippians 4, and in chapter uh, chapter 4, and in verse 11, it says, Not that I, Paul, speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. Didn't matter what Paul was going through. He's in prison at this time, but he learned to be content. It doesn't come naturally. You have to learn it. And you just do that by reading the word. The more you realize how much your shepherd loves you and how much he's taking care of you, then the less you worry about things. You can be content in whatever state you're in. He said, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Doesn't matter. Riches, poverty, either one. Bring it on. I'm okay with it. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need. What your situation is in in, in the material world, irrelevant. Jesus is still your shepherd. You still have bragging rights that you got the best shepherd that will lay down his life for you. And then it says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, that doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do, because 
I think Paul might have said, hey, I'm going to get out of prison. I'm going to walk through the bars here. <laughs> doesn't mean that. doesn't mean you can do whatever you want to do. What it means within this context is that whatever situation you're in, you can get through it with Jesus Christ at your side. So everything you can do through Christ. When you're in trouble, God will get you through it. And that's what it's talking about here. You could do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. So he's all we need in life. All Paul needed was found in the good shepherd. Now, again, sheep can face many, many, many dangers. There's all kinds of them. But that shepherd, he'll be there coming to the rescue. And it's it's not eight to five. It's 24, seven, 365. Every minute, every day of all time. That's Jesus is there ready to help you. In Psalm 121, uh, two, it says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Wow. That's where your help comes from. The guy that made heaven and earth. I think he knows how things work. He can get you out of jams. That's where your help comes from, from Yahweh. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. See, 24-7, 365. He doesn't sleep. Unlike the, the, the prophets of Baal with Elijah where they couldn't get the, the the gods to come down and start the fire on their sacrifice. So he said, ah, maybe your God's sleeping. <laughs> Got to go wake him up. And what's interesting is in, in the ancient Near East, all the other gods, they did have to go to sleep. Uh, the people would actually feed them their little idols where they lived. They would feed them. They would put their pajamas on, give them a little bath and then put him to sleep. And then they would have to wake him up the next morning, give him breakfast and so forth. So that that so what Elijah said there really cut him to the bone that, yeah, your God, maybe you got to wake him up. But our God, the one that keeps up, he keepeth thee, he that keepeth thee will not slumber, period, end of story. So that's pretty neat. That's the good shepherd. Always there, ready and willing and eager to help. He wants to help us, even though sometimes we don't want the help. We don't even realize we need it, but he wants it. He's just waiting for us. So we have to rely on him for everything. It's not our own power. And and we don't need anything but him. It says, I shall not want. We got 100%. You got a full glass right now. You don't need any more. Wealth, fame, and, and power. If you have all those things, probably not really content because there's plenty of wealthy people, famous people, and people with a lot of power that are not truly content. They can't truly, they can't truly rest. They always want more, more power, more wealth, more fame. And they're constantly fighting to maintain what they have. They can't be truly content with what they have. The contentment only comes from, as Paul said, doing all things through Christ. Whatever you're at, it's Christ. He's the center of it. He's the one that gets us through. Good times, bad times. It's all about him, our good shepherd, the one that's always there for us. In Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, and in verses 8 and 9, it says, Having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, 
which drown men in destruction and perdition. So having food and raiment, be content. That's all. You don't want more food. You don't want more content. You don't want this car. You don't want that job. You don't, whatever you're at, you're content. Now that doesn't mean you're always going to have that same job, but while you're looking for that other job, while you're studying for it, you'd be content with the one you got or the car. You might want a new car. There's nothing wrong with that. But until you get it, you're content with the car you have. I don't know if any of you watch Columbo. I just watched it last night and he's got quite a car. <laughs> it's an old, some kind of foreign car. He's really proud of it, but it backfires, it smokes and everything. But to him, it's a foreign car. <laughs> That's a big deal. If you guys ever watch that, it's kind of interesting. That's Columbo. But anyway, that's the thing. He was content with his car, even though it was a beat up old jalopy. And that's how we should be too. With the place we live, we're content with it. Maybe you want to, a, a new car might, uh, might come on the scene at some point or a new house. But again, until that, you're happy with what you got. You're not constantly thinking, well, I want a new car. I want a new car. I want some new clothes. I want this. I want that. No, you're content with what you got. The other stuff will come, and it'll come because you're doing everything through Christ. So the rich, the, uh, they fall into that snare, and they fall into destruction and perdition. That's John 10, 10, uh, 10, 10 the thief. That's what he does. He wants people to always want more, to crave, to never be satisfied, to keep them on edge. And so there you go. It's if you are rich, that's fine, but just make sure you're doing everything through Christ. See, again, how to base, how to bound doesn't matter. But when you when you when you crave one or the other, that's when you're going to run into trouble. You're going to fall into destruction and perdition. So just be satisfied with what you got. Know that you shall not want that you got everything you need. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. So. What do we do? Do we love money? Do we love Jesus and Yahweh? Which is it? (laughs) Which is more valuable? Well, you can't take the money with you, but you can take Yahweh with you wherever you go. So, uh, you know, in this life and the next. So I I made my choice. I'm sure you guys have too. Uh, The love of money versus the love of Yahweh. Pick one or the other. But we're satisfied with Jesus's management of our life. And someone manages our life. Uh, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. No, 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 no. Someone manages every one of us. It's either the thief or the good shepherd. We're either managed by God or by mammon. That's in Matthew 6 there. Someone manages our life. We're not our own. Now, Yahweh, he'll stop at nothing to make sure our needs are met. He will manage our lives to perfection. And again, 24-7, it's 365. He never leaves us. He's always there to help take care of us, to manage our lives. All we have to do is let him do that. Got to stop looking at the world. Stop looking at mammon. The, the devil definitely would like to manage your life. And he is, at one time, he managed all our lives. And I think no matter how good we thought we might have had it before we got born again, we're light years ahead of that now. So, yeah. Yeah, let Yahweh, let let Jesus manage our life, the good shepherd. He'll do a much better job than mammon. And because mammon, the the bad shepherd, he works for a wage. 
he works for money. That's not how our shepherd works. Our shepherd does not work for a paycheck. What he gets out of it is seeing his flock totally safe and contented. He gets a kick out of seeing us being fulfilled. That's all he wants out of it. He doesn't want a paycheck, unlike the hireling. And the hireling just doesn't care. The hireling does it out of an obligation. Jesus does it out of love. And love is what makes him willing to lay down his life, what makes the good shepherd to lay down his life. So that's verse one. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, verse two, you know, we're not going to go through all six verses. We're just going to go through one and two here. So just to give you some perspective there. But verse two, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Now, there's four main requirements for a sheep to be able to lie down. And this is as per Philip Keller, the guy that wrote A Shepherd's uh, Look at Psalm 23. Number one, freedom from fear. Number two, no friction from within the flock. No friction, no tension from other sheep. Number three, no insect pests or minor annoyances, ticks or whatnot. And number four, They have to have a ready source of food. So for a sheep to lie down, all these requirements have to be met. Otherwise, they're restless and they can't lie down. They're they're walking around. They're pacing back and forth. They're agitated. So freedom from fear, tension, aggravation, and hunger, that's what they require to thrive. And same with people. Same with people. And only the good shepherd will provide all of these things. And Jesus absolutely does provide those things. Uh, as far as fear goes, sheep are, are, are very, very timid creatures. They're defenseless. I mentioned that. They have no means to protect themselves. And so they're very shy, very timid. They scare really easy. Uh, the only a defense they have is to run, is to just run away. And even something as simple as, uh, say, a stray jackrabbit coming out of a thicket, all of a sudden, that'll start the whole sheep herd to stampede. And it's pretty hard to lie down when you're running. So uh, that that that's just how timid they are. So you have they, they had, but. What's interesting is once the shepherd arrives on the scene, they visibly relax. You can just, they can just tell that their shepherd is there and they no longer have to fear. So if they're running from that jackrabbit and the shepherd comes along, they say, oh, good, here he is, we're safe. (laughs) So that's pretty neat, I think. Uh, In Psalm 3, in verse 5, it says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked for the Lord Yahweh. Yahweh sustained me. That's why he could lay down and sleep and then wake up refreshed because he knew that Yahweh sustained him. Now, I want to remind you, when he lay down and slept, that was while he was being hunted down 
by the man he loved, Saul, and his own son, Absalom. So <laughs> I've never been hunted down like that, but I would imagine it would be pretty hard to just lay down and go to sleep and have a peaceful rest. But with Yahweh, yes, I could, as long as I kept my mind on him. That's the key there. But despite being all being, being hunted like that, he was still able to have good night's sleep. For Yahweh sustained me. That's our good shepherd. He sustains us. He supplies our needs. We need not have fear. We can lie down and be at rest. Psalm 4.8 says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For Yahweh, for thou, Yahweh, only maketh me dwell in safety. Again, this is while he's being chased. His life was, people wanted his life. They wanted to kill him. And yet, he said, I'll lay me, I'll both lay me down in peace and sleep. Because he knew that Yahweh was there, that Yahweh would take care of him. The jackrabbit coming out of the thicket there didn't startle him because the shepherd was there and it kept him calm and relaxed. So despite what's going on in the world, we have that, we have, we have our, our shepherd always with us, causing us to dwell in safety. Might not look that way to us at times, but Again, don't look at things that the, uh, on the earth here. Look at things up above. And that's where Jesus Christ is up above. And he says we dwell in safety. We're safe. Good enough for me anyway. You can take it to the bank. And I'm sure for all you guys. I hope everybody listens to this, understands how we do dwell in safety, regardless of how things look in the world. Doesn't matter. Don't have to get all uptight about what's going on in the Middle East, what's going on here, what's going on there in Russia and China, da-da-da-da-da. We dwell in safety, period, end of story. That's what the word says. In John 14, it says, Jesus said, peace, peace, I leave with you. Peace, I leave with you. It's with us. He gave it to us. My peace, that's not, yeah, and my peace I give unto you. That's, that's, that's repeated. That's significant in the scriptures. Things are said in two different ways. It really establishes us. So we have peace. He left it with us. He gave it to us. It's ours. All we got to do is latch on to it and not let our eyes wander and see and, and, and have sudden fear or whatever. We have peace. We can relax. We can lay down and rest. And it says, it's not as the world giveth. We have peace treaties. How long did, how many peace treaties have we had? Have they ever stopped wars? No, no. So that, that's not, there's no peace in the world. It's not like that kind of peace that Jesus left us. That's not what he gave us. He says, let not your heart be troubled, neither be ye afraid. So, that's what he said. We either believe it or not. And it's let not your heart be troubled. So there's some action going on there that I have to do. I'm the one that has to let my heart not be troubled. And that just takes, of course, renewing your mind, which just 
absorb that word. Just take it in every day. And little by little, things will stop troubling you. Your heart will stop. You won't, you'll be able to control your heart, your fears. Uh, and, and it's neither let it be afraid. Again, I have to do that. Let it be afraid. I'm the one that, that or neither let it be afraid. That's something I have to do. And we can do it, again, just by putting the word on, bringing every thought into captivity of Christ, knowing that we can do all things through our shepherd because he cares for us. He laid down his life for us. In Romans 8, 15, it says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And remember, in, in, in Rome, adoption was more than a, a, a natural-born son. They actually had more rights. So that's the spirit we have. We are totally belong to God and to Jesus Christ. Remember, he bought us with a price, with his life. And that's why he loves his sheep so much. That's why he wants to see him content and be able to lay down without fear. And we cry, Abba, Father. That's our shepherd. That's who it is. That's who we cry to when we need something. Bottom line is, with the Christian walk, when you walk with God, you walk with Jesus, you can relax. (laughs) Okay? You can lay down. You don't have to be constantly uh, running to and fro because of this fear, this startle, this, that, and uh, on and on and on. The other thing, then, number two, is no friction within the flock. Well, sheep don't function independently. It's a herd animal. And like all herd animals or all animals, there's there's an order. There's a hierarchy. Chickens have a pecking order. Cattle have a horning order. You know, one cattle is always going to be horning the other cattle because he's the bully. Well, sheep have a budding order, and sheep, usually there's going to be a bully in every flock, one that wants to be the top dog. Well, the top sheep, I guess, in this case. So, and that's what they do. They butt them. So, this sheep will come along, and they'll see one sheep laying in their favorite spot to lay down in, or they're eating in their favorite eating spot. And that sheep, that bully, will come up all stiff-legged. Their back is arched. Their pupils are all dilated. They, they, they raise their head up. And it's all to say, hey, buddy, that's my place to lay down. That's my place to eat. You better move. And if they don't move, they'll, they'll butt them with their heads. And then they'll usually move. <laughs> so that's that bully sheep. And every... Every flock has one. Well, again, this, this sheep's here lying down, all content, and then this bully comes and kicks him out. Well, he can't lie down. He's he's worried because all this friction, this this tension within the flock. But just like the the the, the shepherd, the very presence of the shepherd causes the sheep to relax uh, when a jackrabbit or whatever comes out the appearance of the shepherd will also cause the rivalry to cease. And if it doesn't, the shepherd will will show that bully sheep who's really the boss, okay? Uh, They'll they'll hit him with a stick or whatever. 
I guess they have their their ways of doing that. And in Ezekiel, there's a good example of this. It says, Ezekiel chapter 34 and in verse 15, it says, I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. He says in 16, I will seek that which is was lost and bring again that which was driven away. I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. In other words, Yahweh is going to take care of that bully sheep. He's going to, he's going to make sure he'll, he'll give it some judgment. All right. See, <laughs> so just knowing a little bit about sheep and how they are, that makes this verse come alive. I think also in Ezekiel. That same chapter, verses 20, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God unto them, Behold, I, even I, will judge between the fat cattle and between the lean cattle. But ye have thrust with side and with shoulder and pushed all the disease with your horns till you have scattered them abroad. That's the bully cattle, see? Therefore, Therefore will I save my flock, and there shall uh, no more be a prey, and I will judge between cattle and cattle. So that's Yahweh. That's how he does it. He'll take care of that bully. The true pecking order is kind of interesting, because in Romans 12, chapter 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man, the measure of faith. Now, not, I give some man this much faith, I give other men this much, I give other men this much, see? So, somebody can be the top dog here and go pushing everybody else around. No, 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 that's not how it works. Everybody gets the same measure of faith. So that's the great equalizer. In Ephesians 4, 7, it says, Unto every one of us is giving grace, again, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. We all get the same thing. I mean, Holy Spirit's Holy Spirit. <laughs> you, know, you know, what? Some's better than others? I don't think so. <laughs> so again, our shepherd, he's the great leveler. He makes sure that there's nobody bullying all the other sheep. He'll take care of it. And therefore, that means we can be at peace. We can lie down without having to worry about getting kicked out of bed by some other sheep. The bully. <laughs> Romans 12, verse 16, it says, Be of the same mind towards one another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. In other words, in yourself. So we condescend to men, the lower men, those are the ones we want to really help and bring up. What we think are the lower ones. Didn't Jesus say something like the first will be last, the last will be first? There you go. So be the last. You're going to be better off. Proverbs 3, 7, it says, Be not wise in your own eyes. 
fear Yahweh, depart from evil. And fearing Yahweh, that, that word means to recognize his uh, superior position over you, to recognize his authority over you, and to obey. So our shepherd has authority over us. He's, remember, the one that manages our lives. We don't manage our own lives. He does. He's the authority over us, and we ought to obey him. We have a choice, of course, but it's always better to obey him so that we can know that we're that, that, that he's taking care of us and we can lay down in peace. In fact, in Romans 15, 1, it says, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. Does that describe the good shepherd or not? Well, it absolutely does. Jesus is about as strong as you could get, I would, <laughs> right? But he doesn't come to us and say, oh, you're weaker. You committed sin. I never committed sin. Aha. You guys commit sin all the time, so I'm better than you. So move over. I want your spot. No, 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 no. Total opposite. He's the strong one, and he bears our infirmities. He did not please himself. He pleased us. That was his goal. His goal was to take care of his sheep, to see his sheep contented and happy and being at peace. Remember in 1 Corinthians 12 there, it says that, uh, 1222, nay, much more of those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. Well, how would you like to be the small toe of the body of Christ, or the big toe, rather, of the body of Christ? Well, that's pretty high status, I guess, huh? <laughs> no, who wants to be the big toe? And yet, and yet, there was that record in, Judges, uh, uh, the, the Judah went up against uh, the the, Phil the Canaanites, and one of the kings, Adonai Bezek, they cut off his toes, his big toes. They cut off his big toes and his thumbs, and that's and that meant that he really couldn't walk, couldn't walk right. And so, he, and, and this Adonai Bezek. He had done that to 70 other kings, that very thing. He cut off their big toes and their thumbs. And then he said they had to, to scrabble under his table to find scraps of food. So that's, so even though it's a big toe, my point being, even though you're the big toe or the body, you, you're essential. That body can't function without you. So what seems to be the more feeble are absolutely is necessary. The big toe is as important as the eye or the ear or whatever. So so we're all equal. There's nobody as a bully in the flock that Jesus manages. And therefore, we can feel at ease and able to lay down and rest. Number three, no pests. Can't have pests or minor irritations because sheep are unable to clean or and groom themselves. Their, their hair will get all knotty and um, they're very susceptible to lots of insects or pests, ticks and whatnot. Now, these things aren't usually fatal, but it's enough of an annoyance that you can't lay down and sleep. If you've ever been in mosquito country and you're outside in the evening, try lay down out on the hammock and take a nap. Can't do it because these insects are just constantly bothering you. So again, the sheep are not able to lie down in the green pastures. Now, 
and we all have these things, these little minor annoyances. They're not fatal. They're not in your cause. You go to the doctor or anything even, but they're just annoyances that you can't be at peace. Can't find your car keys. The heel of your shoe came off. The milk turned sour. This morning even, geez, oh, Pete. And I, I worked, you know, I've been studying this, uh, this and, and working it in my mind. So I ought to know. And yet I had my two socks out. I put one on and I got sidetracked. I had to do something, came back, and I couldn't find the other sock. And I started to say, oh, where is that? But luckily, probably because I'm working on this, I managed to catch myself. But just those little minor annoyances. We, our shepherd can take care of all those things. And they're minor, but they can disturb our rest. But Jesus cares about every little thing in our life. He cared that I couldn't find my sock. <laughs> and as soon as I settled down... Yeah, amazingly enough, I went right to it. So just amazing how that stuff works. But there it is. Um, in Psalms 56, verse 8, it says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Yeah, tell us, that's, that's the word. It means to put a score or a mark on something. It's a tally. It's a record. In other words, he keeps track of our wanderings. Every little thing we do, he's there and he knows what it is. He's taking note of it. So even though you can't find your car keys, he knows that. He's right there with you. Or if the milk turns sour, he's there. He knows. You don't have to get all upset about it because our shepherd is 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 watching all the time for any little thing that disturbs us. And he's always right there to say, calm down, relax. You can lay down. Don't have to worry about it. Not that big of a deal. Let's go find your keys. <laughs> and then you'll find them. And your mind will be a lot uh, lot more at ease instead of freaking out about it and running all over the place if you're like a chicken with his head cut off. So, yeah, our shepherd knows everything about our lives, and he cares. He cares about those little things. He says, even the very hairs on our head are numbered. And then it says after that, fear not, therefore. Wow, what a thing. Fear not. He knows every little thing about us. Now, to get rid of, for a shepherd, to get rid of uh, insect pests and so forth, it's got to apply various oils and, and insect repellents and whatnot. And it's not an easy thing to do. I looked it up today. It's called sheep dipping. I looked it up on the internet and it looked like there was about 800 steps. <laughs> I didn't read all of them, <laughs> put it that way. Maybe not 800, but there was a whole bunch of things you got to do. And there was a lot of pictures and stuff. And it didn't look like something I'd want to do. It's hard physical work to dip these sheep. They don't want to be in there. So you got to pick them up, put them in there, hold them in there for so long, pick them up out of the thing, put them back in. I mean, it was, it's quite a thing. It's expensive, time consuming and hard physical labor. That's what a shepherd has to do. The shepherd, the hireling, he doesn't care if the thing has ticks or not. He doesn't want to go through all that work. So our shepherd, he takes care of us like that. Whatever it takes, he'll do it. In 1 John 2.20, it says we have a, an unction, an anointing from the Holy One, and ye all, and you know all things. See, he's dipped us in that oil, so we have, we can know all things about him. That spirit will tell us whatever we need to know about him. That spirit will remind us when the little things that irritate, it'll remind us that, yeah, he's there. He's taking care of you. Don't worry about it. We'll, 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 we'll find that sock. Just relax. Okay. Uh, so that anointing is Holy Spirit. That's the oil we're dipped in. So 
We can turn to our shepherd again, 24 7, 365. We can turn to our shepherd at any time to solve life's minor annoyances. Sometimes we think we'll go to God if something big is happening to us, but when the little things happen, maybe we tend to forget about them. Well, you don't have to because he wants to help us with those as much as with the big things. So bottom line, for Jesus to help us, there's nothing too small for him. He's there for everything. So that should help us to rest, to be able to lie down. The last uh, requirement is that sheep... In order to be able to lie down in green pastures, they have to be fed. They can't have hunger because when you're hungry, it's hard to sleep. Now, sheep are generally raised in rather arid uh, and desolate areas. And the reason for that is there's less predators. However, there's also less food. So uh, the shepherd has to provide food. And this is, we'll get to this, it's a big deal for the shepherd to Make sure that the sheep has food. Not easy work. Uh, I'll point out that the shepherd cannot, or the sheep rather, cannot find their own food, their their own good food. I'll put it that way. They're unable to do that. Bottom line is they'll eat anything, whatever they can find, including things that are not good for them, like poisonous weeds. They'll gladly eat them up and then get sick and they can even die. So sheep are, are can't even feed themselves is the bottom line there. So the shepherd has to take a, a lot of effort to provide their sheep with good uh, grazing land, with good food. And that means he'll have to go into this desolate area. He'll have to clear the rocks, the brush, have to dig up stumps, all really hard work. He'll have to plow the soil, put in various uh, 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 different things to make the soil good, fertilizers and whatnot, natural fertilizers. Can't just go to Home Depot and buy them got to go out and gather it up. I mean, that's a lot of work, and you're going to have to do that for a fairly large area. So he's planting special grains. He has to do that. Then he has to irrigate things. He has to provide irrigation, the water. In Exodus 3.8, it says, I am come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land unto a good land, a large and a land flowing with milk and honey. So that's how Yahweh treats his sheep. He takes them to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. Don't have to worry about food. He provides it for him. He's done all the work. They don't even have to do it themselves. They just go pick it off the tree, which was just like the Garden of Eden. And it's going to be just like the new heaven and earth, right? We'll just go pluck our food off of the trees. That'll be, that'll be pretty good. Matthew 6, 25, it says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat. Take no thought. Don't worry about it. I'm there. I got it covered. I provided everything for you. Jesus said to them in John 6, 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. Well, that's a that's a kind of bold statement. He shall never hunger. Why? Because Jesus is the good shepherd. That's the good shepherd saying that. He's saying, hey, I'll clear the rocks. I'll clear the brush. I'll dig up the stumps. I'll, I'll, I'll plant the, the grains that, that you need. I'll, I'll irrigate them. I'll water them. You're never going to hunger. Don't worry about it. You can lie down. You can rest. You don't have to be agitated and worry about where your next meal's coming from because I got it covered. That's our shepherd. And that's interesting. He said uh, uh, his meat, 
Jesus's meat, remember, was doing the will of the Father. So that's our true meat, is to do the will of the Father. When we do that, he's not going to let us out. In the, he's not going to leave us out in the cold. He's not going to let us unfed. When we're doing his will, he takes care of us for sure. So that's pretty neat. So our shepherd makes sure that we have uh, plenty of food so that we can lay down and, and rest in green pastures. It says in Psalms uh, 23, 2, that he leadeth me beside the still waters. Well, sheep, just like food and just like people, like, they require good, clean water. And just like sheep will eat anything, including poisonous plants, they'll drink anything. They'll drink uh, uh, stale water, fetid water, parasite infected, whatever. They'll drink water that as the sheep go along a path, they, and, and there's little puddles. They, they leave little puddles of water with, with, with their excrement and whatnot. The sheep will drink that. So they'll drink anything that's liquid, just like they'll eat anything. So the shepherd then has to make sure they don't do that, that he provides them with good, clean water. The sheep can't do that for themselves. They don't even know what good, clean water is. So got to rely on the shepherd for everything. In Jeremiah 2.13, it says, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's like the sheep that'll drink out of these little uh, stagnant pools that are infested with parasites and whatnot. That's the, the broken cisterns. And people will do the same thing. And that's what they did. That's what Jesus is talking about here. They forsook him, the fountain of living waters. That obstinate sheep ran off, thought he could take care of himself, left the good shepherd, then started eating rotten food and, and, and fetid water and so forth. So that's what he's talking about here. The sheep, the shepherd rather, will provide the fountain of living waters. But you can run away from it. You can leave go get your own stuff. But I would advise against it. <laughs> in Psalm uh, 36, 9, it says, For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Okay? With Jesus, with our, with, with, he's our fountain of life. That's where our water comes from. And it's the water that sustains us. John 4, 13, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, talking to the Samaritan woman at Jacob's well, he says, Whoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. But, but the water that I provide, whosoever drinks for the water that I shall give him, the good shepherd, I'll provide him with good water. He'll never thirst. The water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Well, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. Which water are you going to drink there? Either Jacob's well, we're going to thirst again, or the water that our shepherd provides us, which springs up into a well of everlasting life. What an image that that is. So you can think about that as, as, as you read this. Just try to get that image in your mind. Everlasting life. That's Jesus Christ, our shepherd, the one that we can brag about. Yeah, Jesus is my shepherd. He takes care of me. He's the one that manages my life. How about you? <laughs> you can too. Just confess Jesus the Lord. Believe God raised from the dead. You're locked in. In John 6.35, it says, Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Same thing there. He shall never thirst. Well of everlasting life. That's the water 
that our shepherd provides for us. And he goes to great lengths to do that. Namely, he got, he let himself get killed a pretty gruesome death. Probably, well, pretty gruesome, about as gruesome as you can imagine. That's how what he paid for us. So he was willing to do that so that we could have the water that will make make us never thirst again. What a reality that is. What a picture that is. I'd like to wrap my brain around it, but it's pretty big. John 7.37, in the last day of that feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up crying and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. You're thirsty, you want to know the truth, you want to be at rest, you want to be able to lie down in green pastures, be well fed, be taken care of, come to him. Let him come to me and drink. So that, that's talking about there, that feast, there was a, the, uh, the custom was, and this wasn't in the law, but this is just a custom they did for that feast. Every day during that feast, the priest would walk out of the temple, go down to the pool of Siloam, which is where that blind guy washed his eyes, got healed. Uh, they'd go down there, draw water out of it, and walk back to the temple and, and pour it on the, on the, uh, side, in a basin on the side of the, the uh, altar there. So that's what that's talking about. That was the water. Jesus looked at that and said, ah, uh, hey, if you want some real water, come to me and drink. And it'll be water such that you'll never, ever thirst again. This feast they did every year over and over and over. Jesus, a one-time deal. Boom. You're sealed, signed, delivered. So just a couple more verses here and along this line here, just kind of wrap up. In Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Yahweh, trust in Yahweh, our shepherd, with all your heart. Trust in him. He's going to lead you to the still waters. He's the one that'll do whatever it takes to be able to lay down in peace. So trust him. Just have believe him. Have faith in him. How he manages your life. The other guy that manages your life, you know, all bets are off, okay? But when Yahweh, when you let him, when you trust him with all your heart, with the very deepest part of your thinking, your thoughts, and you don't lean unto your own standing, understanding, lean not to thine own understanding. Because that understanding, my understanding, comes from mammon. And I'm either going to serve God or I'm going to serve mammon. That's the two choices. There is no other choice. I don't do it my way, <laughs> despite old Frank Sinatra there. There's no such thing. You either do it God's way or mammon's way. And we know who is in charge of mammon. It's that old devil. So basically, you either got God or the devil. And you know, it's kind of like an election going on through life, every minute of every life. God is always, always, our shepherd is voting for us. The devil always voting against us. So we have a tie. Guess who determines the election? You do. You're the one that breaks the tie. So who are you going to vote for? Well, don't lean to your own understanding. You, you might think you got, you know what's best, but trust Yahweh. He'll lead you down the paths of righteousness. So our our shepherd knows better than what we know that's good for us. One more here uh, in the next verse there, it says, in all thy ways, not some ways, but constantly acknowledge him. I lost my sock. I still got to acknowledge him. Okay. That's part of my ways. You know, I lost my sock. Something's going on here. So acknowledge him. He will direct thy paths. And <laughs> it was just amazing that as soon as I said, no, 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 don't worry about it. Bam. 
he directed my path right to the sock. A little thing, very little thing. And yet it almost kind of set me off, kind of got me, you know, it's like the tip, like the mosquito. Not going to kill me, certainly, but it's just the minor annoyances. But when I acknowledge him, he directs my path and he'll do the same thing for all of us. So in all thy ways, acknowledge him. He will direct our paths. He's the shepherd. He'll lead us down the true path. So follow him, our shepherd, without reservation. Don't hold back. Always. He's always there. He wants to do that. He gets the joy out of seeing a contented flock. So there's the first two verses anyway of that psalm. And the rest of the psalm is equally good. Uh, and, and, and if you get that book I mentioned, uh, let me get that name of that again for you. Because he does a much better job, I think, than I could do. It's A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 by W. Philip Keller. And it's a great, it's just a great book. He covers the rest of that. And, uh, you know, if you want, I'll, I'll, I'll do that later down the road here. I'll go over the rest of it because it's just a fantastic thing. It really makes that, that, uh, psalm come alive. So Heavenly Father, we sure thank you for being our shepherd. Thank you for your untiring care for us. You're going, the 110% for us. And even when we wander off, Father, you immediately come looking for us. You bring us back and you just love us. You love us more and more and more, despite our own obstinance and despite our forgetting you. But just thank you so much, Father. Thank you for understanding, for taking care of us, for leading us down the right paths, for making sure we have food and water and Father, we can brag that you are our shepherd, and we want to do that to everybody as we go out about our daily lives, because we shall not want. We have everything we need. We have to go provide the same thing for others that are lacking, that are unfortunately under the care of a hireling, a shepherd that could care less about them. Thank you for these things, Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. Walk